Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. At a press conference Tuesday at the Berkeley border on College Avenue, Karina Gould is at the mic. Good afternoon, everyone. It's so beautiful to be here in our territory, the territory of Hu Chin. Behind her, as she speaks, is one of the new city limit signs that reads, Welcome to the city of Berkeley, Ohlone Territory. The city of Berkeley acknowledges that Ohlone people are still here as a sovereign nation of people that have had an unbroken tie for over 12,000 years, a place that we have never gone away from, a place that we have survived three waves of genocide. The Bay Area was built over Ohlone land, and underneath that Native American land are more than 400 Ohlone shell mounds used in ceremonies and as burial sites. Today, we're going to tell you some of the history behind these shell mounds. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Devin from KQED. Hi, Hi Karina. Devin. Good Hi, to meet you. Karina Gould is the spokesperson for Confederated Villages of Lashan, which has been advocating for Ohlone causes in the Bay Area. I think up until about 20 years ago, most people believed that Ohlone people were dead. And our history is only taught in fourth grade up until the gold rush. Once that happens, we are totally obliterated from um, the history books. And so because the city of Berkeley is standing up and actually saying and naming Ohlone territory, it gives people a visual and it gives people an understanding of, wait a second, are these people still here? It's a curiosity. Can we actually go and find out more about Ohlone people? And we're hoping that it can be a domino effect of other cities within our territory. She worked with Berkeley Councilwoman Cheryl Davila last year to change the signs. Karina says the signs acknowledge that Ohlone people were the original people of the Bay Area. There's eight different Ohlone uh, nations. Our territory goes all the way from the Carquinas Straits down to Carmel and out to Highway 5. And so this is a beginning of um, an actualization that we've been praying for for a long time. Even though we're not federally recognized, this is a way of recognition. 
Right now, there are 12 of these new Ohlone Territory signs at different points around Berkeley's city limits, with more to come. Karina says these signs are a reminder of the Ohlone's past being erased, which is evident when you consider these giant shell mounds that used to exist all around the Bay Area. There were hundreds of them. And KQED's podcast, Bay Curious, went looking into the history of these shell mounds. Stick around until the end, because we'll have an update to the story you're about to hear. I'm at the corner of Shell Mound Street and Ohlone Way in Emeryville, and looking at what you might think of as kind of suburban heaven. There's a P.F. Chang's, uh, an Ikea just a couple blocks away. But right here at this intersection, there's also something you might just completely miss the first time you walk by. There's a small mound. It's like if you covered a Volkswagen bus with soil. And a little bit away, there's this memorial that says, Bay Street, Emeryville, was a shell mound site. Now this street, Shell Mound Street, and this mound caught the attention of our question asker, Paul Gilbert. He wanted to know... What's the story behind uh, Shell Mound Street in Emeryville uh, and what happened to the Native American shell mound that I heard it was named after? This is Bay Curious, the podcast that explores the Bay Area one question at a time. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This week, we're talking about shell mounds, the sacred sites where Ohlone would bury their ancestors. It's a complex story, thousands of years in the making. And today, we'll touch on just some of the history. To answer Paul's shell mound question, we brought in reporter Laura Clivens. Yep. And for this story, we'll actually start north of Emeryville in Vallejo, California. Hey, I'm Laura. That's where I met Karina Gould. I am the spokesperson for the Confederated Villages of Lashon. Lashon is one of the more than 40 Native groups that call the Greater Bay Area their home. Throughout the past few centuries, colonizers lumped these distinct people into one group. These days, they're most commonly called Ohlone. We're at an ancient village site uh, along the Carquina Strait called Segorite. That's the original name for this space by our ancestors. Who Karina says lived here up until 1810, before they were taken into nearby Spanish missions. Karina scans this large open space with yellowing grasses. These days, it's called Glen Cove Waterfront Park. It was one of the last strongholds for the Carquinoloni people before they were taken into the mission systems. We're at the site of not one, but two shell mounds. Shell mounds are created by my ancestors as ceremonial places and as burial sites. Children buried with their mothers who had been lost in childbirth, elders with babies. These bodies were then covered with layers of soil, shell, and rock. Over thousands of years, the completely man-made mounds grew bigger and bigger. They transformed the flatlands by the bay waters into an undulating, awe-inspiring scene. And they were not just a remembrance for the dead, but an active space for the living. People would come and they would trade with each other and they would have ceremony at the top of these mounds. Archaeologists have found remnants of communal fireplaces, workshops, and homes on the mounds. They were so central to community life that it seems there wasn't time for topsoil to even build up or for grasses to grow. Their height, 
some taller than 30 feet, was a focal point to navigate across the bay waters or to communicate with other tribes. You could send signals to other people across the bay because you could see their fires. And, say, warn others about toxic red tide. There's all of these things that are in these mounds that tell us this rich history of our people for thousands and thousands of years. Like remains of the foods that sustained the Ohlone. Not only the mussel, clam, and oyster shells that give the mounds their name, but salmon and sturgeon, deer, acorns from the ample oak trees. All these natural resources made the Bay Area one of the most populous places for indigenous people north of Mexico. That means a lot of shell mounds. And as time went on, people created more and more of them around the Bay as a way of respecting our ancestors and creating this space that was in continuum with the land. But as colonizers and settlers came to California in the 17 and 1800s, Native Americans were devastated by diseases, starvation, and massacres, killings that were at times funded by the state of California and the U.S. government. Native people began to disappear from their traditional land. And when their houses of willow branches and tule reeds decomposed, the shell mounds were all that was left to mark where their villages once stood. In 1909, a UC Berkeley archaeologist counted 425 shell mounds around the Bay Area. He thought there were many more, too. Shell mounds that could no longer be seen, already worn away by water, time, and development. And now how many of those 425 shell mounds that were documented do you think you can see around the bay? Four. So what happened to the shell mounds? Let's take a look at the Emeryville shell mound, the one our question asker Paul wondered about. It was the biggest one recorded in the Bay Area. It was over three stories high and it was over 350 feet in diameter larger than a football field. But if you look for the shell mound today, you won't find much above ground. In the late 1800s, developers lobbed off the top of the shell mound to create a dance pavilion. Decades later, the shell mound was leveled completely to make way for a paint factory. And in the early 2000s, this once thriving native village became a thriving outdoor shopping center. The flattening of shell mounds happened across the bay. But Karina says the shell mounds are still here, underground. The soil is distinct, a dark, rich color from organic material with white pockets, shells. And there are still human remains, too. Construction crews and archaeologists uncovered bones when building the Emeryville shops. So it's important for us to preserve and protect what's left. Even if you as human beings can't see it on top, we know that the layers of our shell mounds go way deep underneath the land that it is. Artifacts beneath a very modern world. Most of the shell mounds are under, like uh, Burger King in downtown Oakland, a street by the cathedral by the lake in Lake Merritt. The Yerba Buena Gardens Center, they're under all of these places that we walk by every day and I would not even know that they exist. 
the parts of the shell mounds that were above ground in places like West Berkeley and Emeryville, uh, where are they now? Well, quite literally, the shell mounds were used to pave the streets of Emeryville and Berkeley. Some of the rich matter from the mounds was sold for gardens or used for landfill. And then there were the human remains, the human bones and artifacts like beads and mortars and pestles. Our ancestors' remains are, uh, for the most part, at UC Berkeley and other institutions. UC Berkeley has more than 5,000 human remains from the Bay Area. But you still just can't think in your head, what does that even look like? Two years ago, Karina and other Ohlone people went to see the UC Berkeley collection. It was in the basement. Beneath a campus swimming pool. From the top of the ceiling to the floor, there was all these trays with our ancestor remains up and down, up and down, up and down. That would probably cover a really huge room. And I'll never forget that experience that this institution is holding these humans, and for what purpose? And um, how many is too many? She says there were skulls and ribs, arm bones. They were the ancestors, you know, my direct relations. My, I, I lay down in bed for three days and couldn't move. And it still hurts. For centuries, the Ohlone have not had land to call their own. But now they're getting control of two acres in East Oakland. And Karina is helping lead a fight to get back another site, too, at the West Berkeley Shell Mound. Her vision is to create an open space, one city block with native plants, a circular dancing structure for Ohlone ceremonies, and a 40-foot-tall mound with a spiral path and information about the Ohlone. Right now, it's an asphalt parking lot. Karina organized and emceed an intertribal prayer and teach-in here recently. And then we'll have uh, Wounded Knee come up and offer a, a prayer, um, and then we're going to uh, turn you over to Idle No More, San Francisco Bay. For Roughly 300 people show up, including locals and others. Like native singer Ronnie Dean Harris from Canada. Karina says, over her decades as an activist, Ohlone events like these have grown stronger, the crowds larger, that the Ohlone are having a resurgence, reviving dance steps no one has followed in a hundred years, learning traditional languages not spoken in generations from tape recordings, like how the word O roughly means amen. Um, that we are still here, the West Berkeley Shell Mound, and we exist, and so I'll be calling on you when we need help. Okay, thank you so much for, uh, for everybody's help today. Oh. Can we get a big oh? <laughs> That was reporter Laura Clivens. Special thanks to Karina Gould for her help with this episode and our question asker this week, Paul Gilbert. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Since Laura Clivens and Bay Curious first reported the story last November, a lawsuit has been filed in Alameda County on behalf of the property owner of that West Berkeley site that's currently a parking lot. 
The owners want to build housing there. The city isn't letting them because it argues that land is a historic site. If the city wins the lawsuit, Karina hopes the property owners will sell the land to them. This vision that we have is to put a mound back on top of there, to open up Strawberry Creek again, to bring back songs and dances, to continue our relationship with that land as it had been for thousands and thousands of years. To learn more about the shell mounds and see pictures, check out the link in our episode notes. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to Bay Curious. You're going to learn so much about the Bay Area. And who knows, maybe you'll get one of your questions answered. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for the Bay. We'll talk to you Friday. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.